0: This uh, very particular chapter and topic, Uh, the first 12 verses deal with the tongue. Uh, We're we're often uh, referencing, um, if not the whole section of Scripture here, at least verses here and there in our um, own studies. Uh, You'll hear it from the pulpit quite often uh, about the tongue and the dangers of the tongue. And tonight I want us to take a closer look at James chapter 3. Uh, and I want us to consider a couple things um, that we often miss when we're talking about the tongue. We, we often, uh, as we're studying it, maybe not intentionally, uh, but we label um, this as only talking about verbal speech. Um, and occasionally, uh, we might talk about written uh, communications, as that has become increasingly common in our day and time. But really, the application that we can draw here is, of course... It, to written speech and to verbal communication. Uh, but there's a lot of application we can also draw from any form of communication, whether that's verbal or nonverbal. Um, there's a lot we can learn here, and there is a very serious and dire warning for us to heed. Now, if we just read James chapter 3, verses 1-12, through 12, it's, it's, it's kind of somber in its, um, in its material. We can divide it easily into two sections. The first six verses... Uh, Really, James is warning us about the dangers of the tongue. Explicitly, what is so dangerous about the tongue? And then in verses 7 through 12, James tells us that the tongue is untamable. It cannot be tamed in the sense that an animal uh, could be tamed or a horse could be um, bridled with a bit in its mouth. The tongue cannot be tamed in that sense. So before we uh, really launch into this, just want us to briefly read over these 12 verses. They're, it's a fairly short reading, but just so we can kind of get our bearings. Beginning in James chapter 3, verse 1, James says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds, of reptiles, creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. James's instruction here is really, as I mentioned previously, it's a warning. It's a very serious warning about our tongue, about our speech about our communication with others. And I'm sure as we read through that, you can see uh, just the seriousness of this warning. And it's important for us to consider. Let's focus on a couple verses real quick before we break down this text. Verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Essentially, what we can get out of that is everyone, without exception, I take that back with the exception of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Every person stumbles on occasion with their tongue, with what they say. Verse 8, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. It would be easier for us to throw up our hands and quit right there and say, well, we can't do anything about it, so we'll just accept the fact that we're going to misuse our tongue. We're going to misuse our speech and that would be a very grave and serious error. See, what's the point in James warning us if there is not a warning to be heeded? If there is not a reason uh, to use our tongues, our speech, um, our written communications properly? What's the point? But many will try to take that uh, standpoint, and not just with this passage, but passages the Bible over, that um, we can't be perfect so why try? God can't expect us to be perfect because no man is perfect, so why should we try? If that's the stance we're going to take, then we might as well just close our Bibles and go home. There's no point in this book that God has given us and has preserved so perfectly for millennia if that's the stance we'll take. So let's break down these uh, verses here. Again, this this is very brief. We won't spend a whole lot of time on this, and we're very familiar with this passage here. Uh, we'll break apart these two sections of both the warning of the dangers and the untamableness of the tongue, and we'll finish by talking about how we can control our tongues. It is untamable in the sense that we cannot perfectly harness our speech. Every man will slip up in what he says, but we can control it. We can exert uh, a great amount of control over our speech, and there is warnings and advice given throughout the Scriptures. But beginning in verse 1 and 2, James here again, mentions that this is every man's struggle. And he starts on an interesting note. He says, let not many of you become teachers. A warning we're very familiar with. It says, knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. First and foremost, before we even get talking about the tongue, James is telling us our tongue is so powerful, so possibly destructive, that let not many people become teachers. And he breaks that down again, as we have already mentioned, in verse 2, that we all stumble. Every man stumbles in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, though, he's a perfect man. So again, every man stumbles in what he says at some point. So let not many of you become teachers. You will incur a stricter judgment. You will, on occasion, make mistakes. If you're a teacher, that is a grave responsibility that is a very serious mistake to make if you make a mistake in what you say while teaching. Can't help but think of Proverbs 10 and verse 19. Um, this might be a good um, not parallel thought, um, but a good application of what James is saying here. Proverbs 10 and verse 19, James says, or excuse me, the Proverb writer says, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. In that context, it's talking about talking too much. Um, But if we apply that to where we're at here in James, a teacher does a whole lot of talking. A teacher does a whole lot uh, of writing, in some instances. And the proverb says, when many words are used, transgression is unavoidable. You're going to make mistakes. So if you're going to be a teacher, better be careful. That's the warning James is giving us here. Verses 3 through 5, the beginning of verse 5, James uh, then goes on to explain how exactly the tongue works. He compares it, um, of course, to a horse and then to a ship. Um, Many of us around here are very familiar with horses, or at least relatively familiar with horses, maybe not so much ships. Um, but we understand that a horse is controlled by the bit in its mouth. Now, compared to the great big animal that is a horse, the bit is tiny, right? It's it's a minuscule uh, piece of equipment, but that small bit controls the entire direction of the horse. You can make the horse stop. You can encourage him to go on. You can make him turn left, turn right, spin in circles. Whatever you want that horse to do, that bit is going to help you accomplish that. Verse 4, the ships, ships that are massive. Um, the, uh, if I understand correctly, the, the word ship that James uses here um, is indicative of a uh, trading vessel uh, from the Roman Empire. So would be very large, almost barge-like ships. Um, so we, we've seen barges. We live close to uh, rivers, uh, a very long, flat boat, massive boat. Uh, So it is driven by the wind, but the very small rudder, in the grand scheme of things, an insignificant piece of the ship is what directs the ship where it goes. And then in verse 5, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. Our tongue is powerful. Our tongue has um, great and almost immeasurable power. Though it is such a small part of our being, our speech can destroy us, our speech can build us up, our speech can change the very course of our lives. We're all familiar with the political arena today for the past, uh, well, probably since the founding of the country, what men have said or written has destroyed them. What men have uh, talked about while in office has completely destroyed their character, and some men that has exalted their character. Our tongue is a great and mighty uh, part of our bodies, though it is so small. Then James gets to the heart of what he's talking about here, beginning in verse 5b uh, through verse 6. The tongue is a great fire. It is a great danger. He says, See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. I can't help but think of the fire that broke out um, in the mountains in Gatlinburg several years ago started off as one small flame and burned a massive swath of forest. That's the idea here. The tongue is a fire, verse 6, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. That's how powerful the tongue is. That's how powerful our speech is. That's how powerful our communication with others is. It can defile the entire body. It's like a fire. A fire that's well-contained and used for useful purposes is a wonderful tool. In fact, many scholars will say that the ability to create and harness fire is what makes us human in a very innate way. But a fire that's out of control is devastating. That's our tongues. A very useful tool, probably one of the most useful tools we have. With it, we can teach others the gospel. We can help to save lost souls But with it, we can lose our own. We can cause others to lose theirs. So what a dangerous but powerful tool. Can't help but think of Matthew 15 and verse 11. Uh, We studied the parallel to this in Mark not that long ago. Matthew 15, verse 11. Jesus, talking to the Pharisees, says, It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but that which proceeds from the mouth defiles the man. The thoughts of our heart, the words of our mouth, the writings of our hand, that's what can defile us. That is our, uh, our inner thoughts. You think about what speech is. Speech is just a vocalization of how you think and feel. That's all speech is. Writing is just a visible form of how we think and feel. That's what can defile us, Jesus says. Proverbs 18, verse 21. The proverb writer says it very clearly. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life. There is both a literal um, and figurative sense that this is true. Our words can condemn someone to death. Our words can save a man's life. Think about in the legal system or in monarchies of the current world. Uh, They still exist in certain reaches of the world. But in a more figurative sense, uh, as I previously mentioned, uh, our tongue can be the source of spiritual death for ourselves or others. What we say, what we write, can be that source of spiritual death. It can also be a source of spiritual life. The Holy Spirit has given us the word that is our source of life. When we speak it, when we reveal it to others, our tongues can be the messenger that carries that word of life to them. I find it interesting. Many of you know I'm a lover of history. Verse, or Proverbs 25, verse 28. Um, this analogy is very striking to me, maybe not so much to you. Uh, but I'll share it with you. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says, Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Uh, Obviously, this is not talking about specifically what we say and speak and write, uh, but a man who has no control over his spirit has obviously no control over what he says. It's like a city that is broken into and without walls. In ancient times, specifically, uh, the times that uh, these writings would have been uh, written down, the walls of a city were the only thing, the only thing, forget an army, the walls were the only thing that would spare a city from an invading army. If you wanted to survive in ancient times when someone was invading your land, you got to a walled city. So someone who has no control over themselves or what they say is like a city whose walls are broken down. It's useless. That person Is useless. If they have no control over their tongue, they have no control over their spirit, as the proverb writer says, it's useless. Not to mention, it leads to their own destruction. A city without walls is ripe for the taking for an invading army. So, verses 1 through 6, James tells us about the dangers of the tongue. Verses 7 through 12, again, James tells us how the tongue is untamable. Verses 7 and 8, He lays that out explicitly, uh, that we have tamed, verse 7, we have tamed every species of animal on the earth. Of course, that's probably not literal. There are probably plenty of things out in the ocean that we don't even know are there. Um, But the general idea is man has the ability to tame wild animals. We can tame very ferocious animals, but no one can tame the tongue. The idea there is not that no one can exert control over the tongue, because there are wild animals that we can control to a certain extent. Can we fully tame and domesticate them? Not quite. The tongue is very much like that. We can exert a great amount of control over our speech. Will we ever be perfect in what we say? No. We will not be. All the more reason for these warnings here. Verses 9 through 12 is a section then that uh, many like to quote, Um, and it seems that this is quoted more often than it's applied. But in verse 9, James says that with it, our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Uh, Verse 10, these things ought not be this way. We use our tongues for two things. We use them for good, essentially, And we use them for evil. That's essentially what James is saying here. And he tells us just how wrong this is. Think about a tree. Verse 12, a fig tree. If you plant a fig tree in your yard and you want figs, and it grows olives one season, is that any good to you? Not really. But then the next season it grows figs. You can't count on it. It's unreliable. It's useless. That's us when we misuse our tongue. Or a stream out of a fountain, a stream of water. If one second the water is fresh and the next second it turns bitter and then it turns back to fresh, are you going to drink out of it? No, it's useless. It has no purpose. It has no value. That is us. That is mankind when we misuse our tongue. When we do not control what we say I think of Ephesians 4 verse 29 again a very um, familiar reference to us these uh, are often uh, quoted together both James and this verse here Ephesians 4 verse 29 Paul says let no unwholesome word perceive from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear What Paul says is essentially what James is saying we should be doing. That everything we say and do should be wholesome. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Over in James, James says, sometimes we produce both wholesome and unwholesome words from our mouths. We might write things both wholesome and unwholesome. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to be. Obviously, as mentioned earlier, some use this as a justification. I don't, I don't have to really watch what I say because I can't be perfect. I can tell you what James would say to that. Uh, maybe not specifically, but James is talking about these examples here of a fountain sending out both kinds of water. James would tell you, your fountain needs to be fresh water, not bitter. Your fig tree needs to produce figs, not olives. Your salt water needs to say salt water, or your fresh water needs to say fresh water. There's no excuse for us to be complacent with the fact that we will misuse our tongues. We will misuse our speech. If anything, that leads us to um, our final point here. How do we control our tongues? What do we do about it? how can we fix this problem? It's a problem we all have. Some may suffer with it more than others. That's the natural way of temptations. But we're all going to struggle with our tongues. We're all going to misspeak. So what do we do about it? I think first and foremost, this is true with almost any problem. Actually, probably with any problem, this is true. We need to acknowledge, first and foremost, what the effects of our misuse of our tongue are. We need to acknowledge what it does. We've already done a little bit of that um, so far. Matthew 15, verse 11, Jesus tells us that it's what proceeds out of our mouth that defiles us. Proverbs 18, verse 21, we learn that both life and death have their source in our speech. Proverbs 12, verse 18, we haven't seen that one yet tonight. Proverbs 12, verse 18 Proverb Ryder says, There is one who speaks rashly, and this is what I want us to catch like the thrusts of a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. When we misuse our tongue, it's like someone stabbing out with a sword. Think of how destructive that could be. And we saw in verse 6 of James that our tongue is a raging fire. That will can consume us. So we need to acknowledge, first and foremost, every day when we wake up in the morning, we need to realize that the things I say, the things I write, um, even my actions are dangerous. Um, there are um, great dangers that can come about from what I say and do, and there's much good that can come about from what I say and do. Our next step, as um, simple and almost cheesy as it sounds, is we need to bridle our tongues. It's plain and simple. We need to bridle our tongues the same way that James references the horse being bridled with a bit in its mouth. In James chapter 1, James says something rather interesting. Seems to very much correlate with chapter 3. But James 1, verse 26 says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. We've got to bridle our tongues. We have to do something to get our tongues under control. Again, verse 3 of chapter 3, he references the horse putting the bit in the horse's mouth. We've got to do something. We've got to find some way to put our tongues, to put our speech under control. And we're not given an explicit answer for what that is. James doesn't tell us exactly how you bridle your tongue. But I'm going to suggest uh, just a couple different ways that we can do that. um, Ways that I think are, are very potent, very powerful. One of them, one of the more simple and straightforward ones, is I think something that many of us do already. Leave yourself physical reminders. If you know you have a problem with what you say, surround yourself with things that encourage you to not say those things. It's as simple as um, remembering to read your Bible. That's, that's pretty simple and straightforward. Many of us like to have things posted around our homes that remind us of Scripture. Or our scripture themselves. That's a very powerful tool. It's a very simple tool, but a very powerful tool. If you struggle with what you say, you're on the phone with someone and you're walking around your house and you see that sign on the wall that says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, there you go, you caught yourself. That's simple. One I like more so is the buddy system. Again, as cheesy as that sounds. It might be worth it to reach out to those you speak to frequently. Hey, if I say anything that I just shouldn't have said, even if it was something minor, tell me. You've just made yourself accountable directly to another person. That's so simple. But That is one of many ways that we can bridle our own tongue. We can literally put a bit in our own mouth. The third way we can control our tongue is probably my favorite. It's one I need to learn more and more every day. We need to learn when to keep silent. Shannon is probably loving that I mentioned this. We need to learn to keep silent. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Again, there are some of us that are very good at this, and some of us struggle with this, you know, self-included. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Proverb writer says, Even a fool when he keeps silent, is considered wise. Sometimes it's better to just not talk. If you know you're probably going to say something you shouldn't say, or text something you shouldn't text, or post something on Facebook you shouldn't post, just don't. That might be difficult, but just don't. If you don't even say the words, you can't say anything wrong. If you don't write the words, you can't write anything wrong. Again, it's so simple and so straightforward. James 1, verses 19 through 20. James tells us that, This you know, my beloved brethren. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. If you're slow to speak, that implies that you spend a little time listening. You spend a little time holding your tongue. You spend a little time thinking about what you're going to say before you say it. We know Ecclesiastes 3, verse 7, where the Ecclesiastes writer talks about um, when there are certain times for things. One of the things he says is there's a time to speak and a time to keep silent. There's a time where we just need to hold our tongues. Literally, if need be, although it might be a little gross. um, If you are about to say something you don't think you should say, just keep silent. If you're not sure, just don't say anything. And finally, and potentially most importantly, if we struggle with our tongue, as we've already noticed, every single one of us will, we need to pray about it. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, and in verse 14. John says this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We can forget a moment about our speech specifically. This is true about any sin, about any struggle that we have. You name it, this applies. If we ask anything, whatever it is, anything that is according to his will, He hears us. That's some very positive reassurance there. That tells me that it doesn't matter what I struggle with. If I go to God in prayer, He's going to hear me. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says something very similar to us here. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Just recently, Donnie covered this in, in a sermon uh, not too long ago. But be anxious for nothing, let your requests be made known to God. We're all going to struggle with what we say. We're all going to struggle with the messages that we send. We're all going to struggle with the thoughts that we have that might come out as words. We can come to God in prayer about that, and He's going to hear us. He's promised that. And what a positive assurance that as long as we're doing our part, that we're attempting to bridle our tongue, that we are doing our best to learn to keep silent. And if we pray to God, we're doing our part, we're doing the best we can, that God will hear us, and God will help us with that issue. Now, I understand this has been uh, very familiar to us. This is not anything you haven't heard before, at least I hope it hasn't been. But again, this is a warning and encouragement for all of us. We all slip up in what we say. I've done it, and I know everyone here has done it or will do it at some point. And James has warned us in very explicit terms, a warning that we need to heed it each and every day. And although the tongue is untamable, we can take actions every moment of every day. We can get up with a goal in mind of what I said yesterday, I won't say today. What I wrote yesterday, I won't write today. What I thought yesterday, I won't think today. We each can do that. haven't talked much about salvation tonight or obedience to the gospel, but if there are any here who have any need in their lives to make correction, if you have not obeyed the gospel, if you've not been baptized uh, to receive the forgiveness of your sins, tonight's your opportunity to do that. We're not promised another moment. We might not make it out the doors. If you're here tonight and maybe you have let sin into your life, maybe you use some language you shouldn't have in front of others, or sent a message to someone that you bitterly regret. Tonight's the night to make that right. If you have any need, why won't you come while we stand and sing?